Guys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast. My name is Miguel. Today, we got a very, very special guest, a new watch brand, a watch guy. We'll, we'll get to him, but P. Ross, how are you doing today? Yo, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? It's your boy, P. Ross, and we are back in the building with another one. Super Bowl weekend. Today, today is the Super Bowl, but uh, my, my boy, P. Ross, uh, is not watching the Super Bowl. Tell us no, why, I'm P. Not. Ross. Because the Bengals are not in it. And I'm boycotting, so I'm done. Okay. Sorry. I'm hating. I'm hating. <laughs> well, sure. Rihanna's going to be on, man. You're not going to watch Rihanna? I'm not watching no Rihanna. I don't care about that. Hey, all no. right. It's all good. Oh, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm not watching no Super Bowl. I ain't watching nothing. All right. All whatever, right. man. I, whatever. Might, I might go to the movies. Oh, Avatar? What are you watching? Avatar. Okay. Hey, good luck. Three you know hours? Because I, I know ain't nobody going to be there. Everybody going to be watching the Super Bowl. So You might be you know. right about that. You might be right about that. Well, we're watching the Super Bowl going to uh family's house. So nachos, tacos, the, the whole. Well, you know what? Well, you know what? You have fun with that. Let me know how it turns out. Well, you know, I'm not a football fan. I am a food fan. So I am there for food. <laughs> well, let me know how that turned out. I, I you know Okay. Sounds good, man. It, well, it, I don't... It's, a big, it's a big waste of time. Solid is. Uh, my hey. mental waste of time all right well have fun watching avatar let me know how that how that is i've been wanting to watch it but uh, yeah. i have a little one he's not going to sit through a three hours three and a half hour movie it's just too crazy but uh we'll watch it when it comes out on what disney or something yeah whatever yeah well, r.i.p well listen man i got a I got a guy that reached out to me he started a new watch company and uh, checked out the watch. Very impressed by the watch. I did a video. I did some pictures and I'm going to continue to promote this guy because he is right. a real watch guy. His heart is in the right place. The product he's selling, I think, is is good. But we'll go through everything. But before you know, I talk about it, why don't we do an official intro? Yo, yo, look, check this out. You know what I'm saying? This brother, he's in Houston right now, Houston, Texas. That's right. I'm down in Houston K right now. Kicking it. You know what I mean? In a hotel doing it big. You know what I mean? But that's how we do it on the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast. We do it big. We come hard and we don't come at all. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? And right now, we got my man Mac <laughs> Canopy Watches in the building, yo. Let's go. Let's get it. That's right. That's one of the best intros I think I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Mac, how yeah. are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Love to be here on the podcast. Uh, awesome. Hope you guys are doing well. We are. Is P. Ross promoting his NFL team that didn't make it to the Super Bowl? He's just rubbing it in our face. But anyway, are you a football fan, Mac? <laughs> I am a football fan. Um, I actually grew up in Iowa, so we don't really have a, any professional sports there. Mm, okay. um, I've since moved to Minneapolis, so kind of oh. a de facto Vikings fan right now. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'm a, a casual football fan. Okay, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So before we get into Canopy, uh, obviously, we want to learn a little bit more about you. So the, the company is based out of Texas, but you're in Minneapolis. Okay, so is your... Yep. So 
Yeah. So my business partner, his name's Ross. He lives in Houston, just outside Houston, Texas. Uh, and that's where our, you know, like office and warehouse and stuff is hosted. And I come down here pretty often to visit him and run the show from down here. So, yeah. Got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, the good to know. So we'll, we'll get more into Canopy, like I said. But we we before we, we get deep into the conversation, let's do a wrist check. Uh, you're our guest. Mac, what are you what are you rocking today? Uh, surprise to, to no one here. I'm rocking my own Canopy Wake one on the stainless bracelet right now. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's nice, up. nice. P. Ross, what are you? I know what you're rocking. I saw it, but. Brightly aerospace. Mm. Yeah. Is that a Vario? Vario or cell clock? No, it is uh, uh, Artham. Artham cell clock. Artham cell clock. Yes. That is very With the cool. The white stitching. That's cool, man. Yes, Looks sir. nice. I'm rocking the wake one, the canopy wake one, and this is a Vario mm. uh, leather strap. I forget what they call it, Italian leather something. It's a vintage Italian leather strap. There you go. That's that's what it is. It's, it's this uh, this great taupe kind of color. It, it goes great with the carbon fiber bezel and that texture dial. Beautiful. Great watches. Yeah, you, you found a number of uh, straps that you've been sending me pictures of that have been looking great. <laughs> So <laughs> hey, it's a strap monster, man. And and to anybody that says that, oh my god, you can't put a, a diver on a leather, it's like <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. Right. So why don't we get into before canopy and how it started? How did you get started into watches? Sure, sure. So I actually growing up um, was kind of always just fascinated by anything really like mechanical oriented, always okay. had kind of an engineering mindset, like the tinker, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think I got a watch as a gift, maybe like in as early as like elementary school or maybe like seventh grade. And ever since then, I was just kind of fascinated by, you know, how they work and the differences between each and every watch that comes out has their own, you know, nuances and whatnot. And sure. as I got older, I just kind of grew to appreciate them more and more and started my own uh, collection, small collection. <laughs> do you remember okay. that first watch? I do remember. It was a Casio. Ooh. I don't remember what the model is. It was one of those that had the Indie Glow yeah. uh, feature to it. And it, it was kind of like a reflective screen. If, you, if the sun hit it just right, it had like a green hue to it almost. Right. I'd have to That's dig cool. in online. I've, I've still got the watch, too, in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> mm. Okay. So what was your That's first memorable watch that you're like, ooh, this hurt. This 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 is more than I'm willing to, <laughs> to spend. <laughs> I think my first memorable watch would probably be uh, Oris Big Crown Pro, Pro Pilot. Mm. Oh, um, that watch! Ever since I saw that watch for the first time, probably I don't know many years ago, I was obsessed with it. And um, yeah, for my twenty-first birthday, um, you know, I was planning on getting this watch. It's a big purchase for myself, and uh, my parents actually surprised me and were very gracious oh. and helped me out and got that for me as a 21st birthday gift. So awesome. that was the first big watch in my collection and one that I'll, you know, keep forever. That watch isn't going anywhere. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. I mean, sure. you seem pretty young. You're, you're still in your twenties. It's fair to say, correct? Yep. Yeah. I'll be 25 years soon. Wow, man. 
that's that's awesome that you're 25 you're a watch collector <laughs> and you're a watch owner or part owner of a company that's that's amazing man congrats it's a huge success so thank absolutely if, if you don't mind run us do you want to run us through your watch collection just so we kind of know your taste aside from the auras and some sure, of the casios sure. sure so yeah before that auras um as a big you know typical entry-level stuff seiko's you know the skx was big there had a mm. few of those modded a little differently okay um after i got that auras you know it kind of turned into a slippery slope where i'm like oh <laughs> now now i've got a real watch you know it's like yeah <laughs> what else to get my hands on um so you know the collection's always changing a little bit other than those kind of staple you know gift sentimental pieces but right now i've got that pro pilot um i've got a couple g-shocks um i've got a speedmaster um professional it's a oh. hesolite version cool yeah that would probably be you know the the quote-unquote nicest watch in my collection uh right now would be that speedmaster um, cool. But yeah, I've got got everything from that to a couple like other micro brands. I've got some Dan Henrys. I've got a Helson. Um, you know, it's always changing. Like I said, <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. So let's get into the whole, I guess, birth of Canopy watches. How did how did the idea even start, or why 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 started to begin with? What what, what for was sure it? for sure. So really, how it came to be, I suppose, three, four, maybe five years ago now, um, I was really active on the the watch forum, the buy, sell, trade watch forums. Um, you know, I'd pick up a watch, clean it up a little bit, wear it for a little bit, and sell it again. Um, you, you know, that's how I was making not big money, but a little money on the side, sure. you know, flipping watches and whatnot. And through being so active on those forums, there were a couple couple people that kept coming up that I was in frequent contact with doing business with, et cetera. And my business partner, Ross Thompson was one of those guys. Um, we just found ourselves in contact frequently through the forums. Eventually, you know, started talking outside the forums just as, you know, colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, one thing led to another. And one day we were just kind of like, Hey, like we, we've, we've had experience with all these watches, you know, large brands, micro brands, whatnot. Like, what do you think about, making our own, <laughs> you know, yeah. taking all our favorite little bits and pieces from these other watches and <clears throat> trying to put it all together into like the true, like enthusiast watch, like what we would want as enthusiasts and what we think other enthusiasts would like. And uh, yeah. it was kind of a full send. We we're just like, yeah, you know what, let's, let's do some research. Let's look into it. And uh, we kind of just dove head first and it's been two and a half, close to three years since then. And here we are with a, an actual watch on the market. <laughs> mm, cool. So uh, why the name Canopy? What does that come from? Yeah. So our original vision for the brand is we knew we wanted to have a dive watch and a pilot's watch. And we wanted something that was cohesive across both styles. Um, also, I guess I should throw in my background as an aerospace engineer. So I was also oh, very nice. into, you know, planes and just engineering in general. Um and so, like, fighter jets and stuff, they have a canopy above the cockpit. Right. Um, submarines also have the similar canopy. So it was a word that ties in from, you know, the dive aspect and the pilot aspect. And we liked it. just had a nice ring to it. And it's nice, concise. We thought it looked good on dials that we drew it up on. And, yeah, we, we went with it. 
So ex explain to me the logo, because let me tell you, I, you haven't told me what the logo is or what it represents. But now that you told me what you told me, is it fair to make this kind of assessment? So the C, yeah. the, the little C is for canopy, clearly. That's right. But that That's little right. that little triangle, is that supposed to be a plane or yeah. something? Yeah. It can either be a top-down view of a plane mm. or it could be, you know, like a manta ray, stingray. Stealth bomber. That thing, stealth bomber. So again, it can tie in with some sea life, some some aerospace stuff. So interesting. Yeah, I see it now. You nailed it. Wow, you nailed it. Yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> I see the little airplane. To me, it looks like a little airplane, just kind of like a fighter jet coming out of the that's sea, right. out of the canopy. That's cool. Wow. That's okay. Right. Cool. That's that's pretty cool. So <clears throat> one of the things that kind of really impresses me and impressed me and impresses me now is. I too was looking into a microbrown at some point with a really good friend of mine. But once we saw the costs associated with starting a brand, we're like, whoa, we don't have that kind of money. That is insane. So we were going to go the, the, the other route, right? The, the kind of uh, go fund me type of thing, whatever, you know, uh, but it's just, it's just, it's too crowded in that space. And it just, to me, it doesn't really legitimize a brand because it's like if you're so people's mentality is like if you're so confident in your product, why not make it and just make it available? Right. So that's one that's of the right. things that we kind of toyed around with. But it's like we didn't have I mean, our cost was going to be close to one hundred thousand dollars. Right. And then we're like and that wasn't even with a Swiss movement. It was with a Miyota 9000 series. So we're mm. like, uh, yeah, we don't we don't have that kind of money. We were going to get an investor. Uh, but he backed out last minute. He's like, I could support you guys once it comes out, maybe purchasing some, putting them on the website, whatever. He has a website. But we just ultimately kind of axe the idea. The product is still there. Like the design we think is super cool. But yeah, man. So the fact that you guys went all in and it's fair to say 500 pieces, you bought 500 pieces or more. Or... That's right. That's right. Yeah, we did 250 in stainless and the 250 in the DLC. In the DLC, mm. that's crazy, man. I mean, did you guys consider going the other route? They we did for a little, yeah, we did for a little bit. Um, we were fortunate enough. So, my business partner Ross, his background is in entrepreneurship and business owning, um, in a couple different categories. So, it was kind of a moment, you know, when we met and we were figuring all this out where all the stars were aligning, <laughs> you know, we both had the watch experience in the background. He had like the business stuff, super experienced with that. I had the engineering stuff all figured out. And like I said, it was just kind of a stars aligning moment. We we're like, Hey, let's just, you know, let's do it. <laughs> we're both on the same page here. It seems like too good of a, a shot to not take. Cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I've, um obviously made a review of the of the watch but in your own words why don't you describe that process of what it was like to design the watch and then coming up with this wake one which by the way wake one where does that what does that mean where, where does that come from so again it was something where we wanted to have some structure uh to our naming conventions you know hopefully <laughs> you know planning on having future models down the line um so we we wanted, you know, this is a dive watch. So we wanted some name that was related to water or diving or something. So we threw around, you know, names like Tide or Aqua or this and that. And Wake was one of them that just kind of stuck and sounded good to us that we really like. 
it ties in with the water theme of a dive watch and then one just for being the first the first watch in that series so, you know potentially down the road we could have wake one wake two wake three different dive watches in our lineup mm. um as we develop other watches maybe we do a pilot's watch next maybe a field watch throw some names around you know maybe we do a a line called arrow we do arrow one arrow two mm. arrow three, something of that sort so um it was just to have some structure and some consistency across our brand um trying to plan for the future wake one is definitely original for sure no yeah, that's like a, that, that's I a like good that. name I, I like it i like it like i said it, it's definitely different when i saw this watch design it's it's definitely different and and one of the standout features for me if i'm being honest because i'm a car guy is a carbon fiber mm -hmm. bezel i think that's it, it It looks nice i think it looks really, really cool right. man and so. i think there's a lot of a lot of crossover between the watch community and the car community as well 100 percent, yeah I, yeah i've seen that i mean look at tech hoyer right they kind of live on that <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> but richard mill exactly. i mean you yeah. know formula one richard mm -hmm. mill and stuff like that so I, I i completely agree man right for sure what other watches has inspired this watch like the design that's I a guess. good question yeah that's a good question um of course you know we took cues some cues from the big guys because there are some things um you know that the, the the biggest of the brands do like your rolexes you know like your tutors etc there are some things that have been tried so many times that have been proven that it's just like this is the core features that you you kind of need to have in a watch, you know. So we took, you know, sizing into consideration that different watches have already tried and, you know, mm -hmm. experimented with. So Because the weight we one is at uh, case size 39 millimeters, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. 39 millimeters. Um, we found that to be the sweet spot. Um, you know, that's obviously a personal thing. A lot of some people like bigger watches. Some people like smaller watches. 39 millimeters is really a, a what we found to be a sweet spot right and okay. i do think the way we designed the the bezel and such it wears you know i think it wears nicely on pretty much any size wrist but it definitely has some presence to it um yeah. it doesn't look like a like a petite watch by no any means. it doesn't it does not yeah. i have a six and seven eighth inch wrist so almost seven or a little a little bigger than six and a half and you have a bigger wrist, Mac? Yeah, I think that's, I don't know exactly where I'm at. I think I'm seven and a quarter, maybe seven and a half. Yeah, that's and where I'm at, seven and a quarter. See, so yeah. you're P. Ross, that's what it would look like on your wrist. Yeah. Because look on my wrist, it doesn't look big. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, I don't have it on the bracelet. It just kind of hugs my right. wrist a little bit more. But but it doesn't, it, yeah, it looks great, man. It looks great. Right. And typically, Dive watches don't have uh, display case backs. What made y'all go with a display case back? <laughs> That's funny you asked that because that was a <clears throat> that was a design choice that we went back and forth on quite a few times. You know, um, that's that's fire. I like that. <laughs> Me like personally, that. I've always been a sucker for display case backs. You know, I was telling you guys, I'm engineering background, super you know adept to the mechanical aspects of things. So I'm like, hey, if we're making a mechanical watch. Like, the I want to see yeah let's show it off and we were able to get that 200 meter water resist with a display case back That's and with, cool. without adding too much thickness i was like you know what yeah why not <laughs> no i yeah. i agree man there is some watches out there 
that do add a display case back, but it adds to the thickness of the watch. And and, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's like, why not just make away with the display case back and just make it a little bit thinner? Mm-hmm. And that's something that mm-hmm. I found with your watch. I was just looking at it. I'm like, the only thing that I think could have made it a little bit thinner would have been like the bezel maybe because it's a, it's a little thicker. But again, mm-hmm. because of the proportions of the watch, which is 39, 39 by what do you remember what, what it is? Lux Lug? I believe it's 46 on the dot. So, I mean, that's that's a great size, right? So 40, 46. So if it was 46 with a really, really thin bezel, maybe the watch would definitely wear. Yeah, it is 46 on the dot. The The watch would actually wear a lot smaller. But because you guys went with this mm-hmm. design choice to put a little bit of a bigger bezel, I think it's more, more uh, universally kind of you know, fit for different wrists. And one thing, one key element that I really, really appreciate. So P on the, on the crown, he has his logo, right? The little logo, but he also has carbon fiber in there. So he has a carbon fiber bezel and then the carbon fiber insert on the crown and no crown guards. I appreciate that a lot. That vintage aesthetic always speaks to me a lot better, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, you're seeing more and more people kind of do away with the, the crown guards these days. And, I, I've always kind of preferred the, you know, the unguarded crown look. Yeah, um, for sure. I think it's definitely making a resurgence and I'm happy, <laughs> happy that it is. And the movement, y'all working with a modified Salita SW200-1. What was the, why was that with the choice? I know. So originally we were going to go with the Edit 2824 um, just because it's, you know, it's a powerhouse movement. It's tried and true. 2824, uh, I think that's the movement that's inside the Serpentina. It definitely could yeah. be. Definitely but they're hard be. to get. And I'm assuming that's why you went right. Salita. That's right. Yep. So they didn't used to be hard to get. <laughs> yeah, until Swatch put, so, a, put a hold on that's, the whole thing. So. That's exactly right. They almost 99% exclusively deal with Swatch Group brands now. And, uh, you know, so we went back to the drawing board and the, the obvious choice was the Salita SW200, which is what we ended up going with because it's it's the same movement. It's got one more jewel, but right. effectively it's the same movement. Um, yeah. And Salita has been great to work with. Fantastic people over there. Um, getting these things calibrated super nicely, getting the custom rotor put on there. It's been yeah, it's been great. We're super happy with the movement. So let me ask you something. Uh, two, two two questions that I'm that I'm curious about, just from a perspective mm-hmm. of me remembering going to a few manufacturing uh, people and asking the cost, the difference in cost, right? So obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get to the dollars and cents. There's some things that we we're transparent, but some things need to not be said. But as far as like mm-hmm. a percentage, what percentage would you say you're paying above getting like a Miyota Nine Thousand series? Is it like fifty percent more, twenty five percent more? Uh, it really depends who you're going through, um, with, especially with companies like Etta and stuff like that, you really don't end up buying them. You know, you're not calling, you're not giving a credit card to somebody at Etta, right? They go through dealers sure. and they go through distribution people. So it varies a lot depending on who exactly you deal with and what quantities you're dealing in. Um, but you're exactly right there. It is a pretty, pretty big difference between something like a, a Japanese movement, like a Miyota. Um, it can be anywhere from, yeah, definitely 50% to even upwards of like 75%. It's crazy. Increase. It's crazy. Now, yeah, let me, it's a big, wow. 
let me ask you something. So we we had the opportunity to speak to uh, uh, to Mike Franz. He's the CEO of uh, Christopher Ward. Several times, mm. he's a cool guy, and he's very transparent when he tells us about the Salida movements. He said before that in order to make them cost certified, it doesn't cost that much more. Is that something you guys are even thinking about in the future? Because I will definitely put your watch in a completely different like, you know, platform. It is. It is something we're definitely looking at um he's right it's not a huge price jump to do so it is a price there is a price jump of there. course of course um, and so moving forward as we you know hopefully get towards second third watches where you know the margin isn't so critical you know that first watch is very you're counting every cent absolutely doing you know, mm. everything up so hope when we get to a place where we don't have to be so strict on everything yeah we'd love to do that um, I will say we've put put our watches, we've put many, many of our watches to make sure they're consistent on time graphers and stuff. And we have not had a single one of them running outside of cost spec. So wow, they cool. are they are calibrated extremely well. Um, but that's exactly right. It's just another step you have to pay a certain X amount of money for and a certain X amount of time for as well um, to get that done. And yeah, we're for sure looking to do it for the future. Cool. Yeah, that's super cool. So let, let's talk about that bezel. Why um, why 120 click? You didn't go for like a 60 click or something. Mm -hmm. you just and, and also what what's in there? Because it it sounds good. That's, yeah, that's ceramic ball bearings in there. Ceramic <laughs> ball bearings. That's expensive. Yeah, too. I, I know that. Yeah. So you've got a few options. You've got the ceramic ball bearings. You can also do there's just like a a spring um like ratchet system you can mm -hmm. go with which is kind of similar to what like seiko does right um and those works but with this watch it was all about the details right this was like our whole thing is like supposed to be by enthusiasts for enthusiasts so like every single right. detail matters and as soon as we you know we're going through the sample phase and the engineering phase and you know felt different ratcheting systems we the, the ceramic ball bearings was like the clear way to go. We're like, this is just to us at least feels superior. Um, just very pronounced clicks, almost zero back play. Um, it was just, you know, if we wanted to make this watch as good as possible, as unique as possible to set it apart, it was kind of a no brainer to go with the ceramic ball bearings. Okay. Cool. Now that's uh that's good to know, man. I, I I like it. Another key feature that I really like about your watch. Thank you for doing this. Date window at six o'clock, and yes. you guys match the color of the date yes. wheel to the color of the dial. So it's kind of black, and, right? And let me tell you, that was an absolute logistical nightmare. <laughs> what? What? The six o'clock or the color matching? Both. So when oh. we were sourcing these movements. Um, you know, what, what really changes, you know, the position and the color is just the date wheel that goes on the movement, depending on how the numbers are oriented on that disc is, you know, where they'll line up. So three o'clock, four o'clock, mm -hmm. six o'clock. Um, and then obviously what color background and what color text you want. Um, the number one easiest date wheel to get is the three o'clock position, yeah. black text on white background, the standard one. So but we're like, no, nah, we really wanted at six. We really like that symmetric look to the dial. Nice. I like it. Um, and we quickly realized the guy told us, he's like, man, six o'clock when uh, date discs are really hard to get right now with 
this was all supply chain, COVID, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, it's kind of a <laughs> kind of a must have for us. He was like, okay, you know, I'll I'll see what what I can do. And then he came back and was like, you know, here's the situation and we can make it work. And we're like, oh, by the way, we also want to, <laughs> we also want a black background, white tech. Like, you're killing me. He's, yeah, he's basically like, you guys are like chasing the unicorn of, of, uh, date wheels right now we're like well it's that's what we want that's something we really want to move on yeah so it was it was an adventure to get those but but we, but we got them and i'm glad we did it looks nice <laughs> man speaking of the dial i really like that dial on there oh man um, take us through the dial. process of take us through the process of designing it yep so we played with a lot of different dials again of course you know we played with um you know a flat gloss black background <clears throat> sort of like an acrylic uh, dial polished we played with sunbursts we played with vertical brush horizontal brush circular brush um and then we played with some textured dials and we quickly realized that the textured dials you know just had a nice pop to them with those white indices on the black background that kind of like just absor- it sucks in the light it absorbs it and it just really makes those indices pop out in the daylight and we love that effect so we uh, played with some, you know, finer uh, textures, some coarser textures, and mm-hmm. found a happy medium that we were, you know, we loved the look of, and that's what we ended up going with. Okay, cool. I like you that second sand. Oh, I'm sorry. Say what? Oh, I was gonna say that second sand looks cool too. Is red? It's like a little oh, red yeah. second sand. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, now that you spoke about the <laughs> whole, uh, you know, air kind of thing, somehow it reminds me of like a pilot something. I don't know, <laughs> but it looks cool. <laughs> A little bit, right? Yeah, um, that's cool, man. That second sand, we've gotten some feedback where people are saying, you know, it's it's hard to see because it's a black hand on a black dial. Um, but that was kind of the point. At Who's least counting for me, the anyway. seconds. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that was my oh first God. reaction too. <laughs> but I was like, well, I kind of did that on purpose, you know, because I it, it kind of gives the illusion that that red tip is just kind of floating around the outside. Right, um, right, right. Which I found really, really kind of pleasing to the eye. So. I, I think the the only thing I would have preferred, and I said this in my in my review, is the the hour hand. I, I personally mm-hmm. would have liked to make it a little bit fatter or something a little different <clears> where I, I don't know. I can't really envision what, but if it was a little fatter, yep. that would have been cool. But this is very, I mean, very fitting. It kind of goes with the in, applied indices and everything. It looks clean. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just, yeah, in my sure. head, I'm like, what would it look like a little bit fatter, a little different? Because I think it's cool when hour hands and minute hands look different from each other. Um, mm-hmm. And these are the same bay. They're, the only difference is like the, the length of them, right? But they're basically the same That's shape. Right. That's right. Kind of a mix between like a sword hand and a, a traditional stick hand. Correct. It's kind of a happy medium there. Yeah, man. What about a drill lug hose? You yeah, did you guys about consider those? that? Consider those? Yep, we did consider them. Um, you mean so it's drilling all the way through from that? Yeah, to, just for easy that. like strap change. Yeah. Yep. We thought about that. We had a prototype like that, and it was just one thing that I just never liked the aesthetic of. I really just prefer that clean outside. Got it. And uh, at some point just made the executive decision to sacrifice a little bit of ease of taking that strap off for, for the aesthetics. Cool. Now let me talk about the bracelet. Obviously I, I took mine off the bracelet, but one of the cool things that I like and some micro brands have been doing is that micro adjust on the fly mm-hmm. right there, which is two yep. little buttons and you just could like 
you know, go one millimeter up to what? How many clicks is it? Like five millimeters? I don't. I have no. I idea. think it's six. six I haven't. Millimeter. Yeah, I think it's six clicks, but oh. it extends either like eight or ten mil. Mm. Again, it's it's nice, a pretty man. big extension. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And I, I think uh, so when I was wearing it on the bracelet, I did find myself that I had to take it out a little bit on the flight and it was so nice because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. a lot of my nice watches don't have this, you know, and, and I'm not saying this right. is not a nice watch. Obviously, it is. But I'm just saying like the big boys is out of thousands yeah, of dollars. Yeah. Like they don't have stuff like this. Right. Um, there's yep. there's a huge heft to this bracelet, too. Like that's you could you could tell this is a solid solid bracelet mm-hmm. and the way the links articulate is pretty interesting it's unlike anything that i've mm. really come across is very much kind of like squarish i don't know how to describe it what, yep. what would you say mac what would you, how do you describe this we've kind of been describing it as like a the, the side profile is kind of like a tread profile almost on like a yeah. like a construction vehicle of some sort it's kind of trapezoidal um, very angular right um bracelet's something we spent a lot of time on um just like you said to get kind of the feel right and the look just right we didn't want a too blingy of a bracelet because we didn't want this to be like a, a dress watch per se um and we also didn't want something that was fully brushed and you know it was a little tool too much tool looking um the happy so medium between both yes yes so if you look closely, actually, the, the the outer surface, the face of the links are all vertically brushed. But oh, then the yeah. surfaces in between the links, like the very top and bottom of the links are polished. Got it. I guess you can't see it on video, but mm-hmm. on the right, I'm holding the Rolex Mariner bracelet, which is fully mm-hmm. brushed. And then yours, which is has like a mixture of different things. So you could definitely right. tell yours looks a lot more expensive, you know, well thought out. Um that's a good comparison too, because you'll see they're both H link styles. You know, they're the mm-hmm. three link. Yeah. The H link style, but we actually shortened our links up quite a bit. So they're Got not it. as tall. Okay. So that really gives it that nice kind of like fluid drape. Right. This makes it comfortable on the wrist. No, yeah. absolutely. Now that you guys but, use uh, screws to size it, which I appreciate <laughs> that. And you now i believe are including a little screwdriver this is canopy on it that's right. to size it that's right um one thing that i noticed i don't know if this was done on purpose so in the back of bracelets typically there's like little arrows pointing like where you're that's supposed right. to like take out the the screws and these that's arrows right. very much resemble kind of like the logo a little bit i don't know was it done on purpose or that was definitely on purpose they're actually the exact same arrow that's at the three six and nine position on the bezel oh, oh crap. Okay. yeah yeah you're right no wonder i'm like these look familiar that, that's, that's kind of i cool. think you're the first person at least to, to tell me that they've found found that little easter egg <laughs> ah it is an easter egg got it yeah. now tell me something mac is this is this designed for the bracelet something you picked off a catalog or was this like redesigned by you guys 100 percent like Hundred percent from scratch, you know, straight starting from pen on paper to to production. Wow, that's cool. that was something we did for almost everything on the watch, you know, and we got a lot of pushback from our manufacturer. I was like, hey, you could save a lot of money, and they're like, hey, we've got a part that's kind of the same thing in our catalog. You're like, nope. And then send a picture. I'm like, that is not the, that is not even close. Like, like no, we're we're spending the money. We're you know. We'll we'll pay you the tooling cost to set it all up. Yeah. Like this is what we want. <laughs> so it yeah. sounded like it, it was no shortcuts taken with making this watch. 
what was the gratification like after it was all done? Mm. Uh, it honestly, I'm still kind of in that phase. When we got these, the final production run in our hands, that shipment of 500, and we were looking at them, it was like you know, it almost didn't feel real. It was like mm. it's like just yesterday, this was just a sketch on a piece of paper, and then a sketch on a computer, you know, right. and an engineering drawing, and now here it is, a real thing that we're selling to people. And it, it it's a feeling like like nothing I've ever had. You know, it's it's being proud. It's being this is you baby. Know, excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's been a hell of a ride, and uh, yeah, we're excited to, now, to to keep moving. Forward. Talk to me about that DLC so, coding because I I don't have the black one in front of me, but you do. <clears throat> what what it what what makes that different? Is it going to scratch off? Is it going to come off? Like what? No. So we typically there are, there are two. Two popular versions of, you know, if you want to coat something in black, there's PVD and there's DLC. Um, they both have a similar look to them. The big difference, two big differences is price <laughs> and durability. Okay. DLC is, PVD is more of an aesthetic coating where DLC, of course, you get the black aesthetic, but it also actually, it's a harder material. It's a harder plating. Mm. Um, so it's actually extremely scratch resistant, um, more so actually than just the stainless, the 316L stainless on its own. Um, so it actually technically is increasing <laughs> the durability of the watch. If you take something, you know, like a a knife that has a blade that's that's harder than 316L um, and try to scratch the bracelet, even if you do scratch it, um, you won't see that silver underneath unless you go like very, very deep. So mm. uh, it's not something that is going to like wear off with just wearing the watch or anything like that. So would it be fair to say that if I put side by side your DLC coated watch and your stainless steel watch and I take a little mm -hmm. a little tool, whatever spring bar tool, and I mm -hmm. scratch the side of them, the stainless steel will mm -hmm. scratch. And you will see the scratch, but your DLC, you won't be able to see it. It's almost like a ceramic coating kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. It depends on you know how hard that tool is. If it's something harder than than the DLC coating, it'll still scratch. But it 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 almost I don't know how to describe it. It like absorbs it better than just bare metal. It makes it more difficult to see. Um, yeah, I don't. It's DLCs are really a really cool plating that. Um, I don't know why people don't do it more often because I think it looks badass and it gives it some some cool you know. And features, some mechanical features. I think it looks cool, man. The black one does definitely look cool. But I, for me, kind of like when we when we were in chats and you're like, well, which one do you want me to send you, right? You want the stainless steel mm -hmm. or the black? Mm -hmm. I And I experienced both, right, when I did the review. Mm -hmm. But um, for whatever reason, I'm just kind of like a purist. And I'm like, I just oh, yeah. like the color of the stainless steel because it looks more elegant, more blingy. But the mm -hmm. black one looks badass, too, because... You can right. rock it and just like it's black, you know, it's kind of like and the black the one. I've noticed the black one's kind of interesting in that people that have seen them both just pictures initially. And I ask, you know, hey, which one do you like better or whatever? Um, they always, yeah, like you said, jump towards silver. Um, and then a good example is these guys I met up with here in Houston last night. Actually, I showed them both watches because we were meeting in person and uh, both of them. We're like, wow, this black is, uh, I like it a lot more than I thought I did or thought I would. Um, and it's just kind of funny because it, it, it's something that's hard to come across in pictures. Um, and then when you see it in person, it's just kind of a different, 
Mm. It's just different to see it in person than it is to see pictures and videos. Okay. But yeah, the silver, the stainless, like that's the one I've got on right now. You know, that's the one that's kind of the go-to wear with anything right. kind of watch for sure. So, so what's your personal favorite, the midnight or the stainless? <laughs> I think honestly, the midnight is my personal favorite just because it's, it's something a little different, a little more unique. Yeah. Um, people see it and they're like, oh, what is that? Like black watch and I've owned some DLC watches before, but I don't think I've ever owned one. And I've seen very few that come with a bracelet that's fully DLC coded. They almost always come on like an olive drab, like canvas strap or a black leather strap. Um, they skip so the bracelet, basically. Got it. They skip the bracelet. Yeah, for sure. Got it. Mm. All right. All right. Cool. Well, we we talked about the, the watch, the design. Uh you you hit on some of the things coming in right like a pilot's watch and different thing but obviously you guys mm -hmm. have to i'm assuming sell through these uh dive watches uh because obviously you know money uh, we we hate to talk about that yeah. and 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 uh yeah. i know pe people kind of miss that because they're so used to omega rolex or is these companies just producing new watches producing new watches but what yeah. they need to understand they have millions and millions of dollars <laughs> when you're starting yeah. out it's kind of like this is my investment i need to break even and then i need to make a profit in order for me to invest more money into a second design you know what i mean that's right that's so, right so so 250 250 watches were producing the silver 250 watches were producing the black ones they're gone they're gone right this model yep. you're not bringing it back that's right. Okay, cool. So second yep. is going to be a pilot's watch. Can you tell us? Do you want to keep it a secret? It's up to you. I we'll we'll let you in. I think we're going to go with a field watch next. Actually, oh, which might cool. be a bit All of right. a surprise. Uh, um, we were planning on doing a pilot's watch next, um, but we've got some design choices that I want to do with that watch that'll take quite a bit of time to get right. Um, and in the meantime, we'll work on, you know, maybe a little more simple watch, a field watch. I've got some good ideas on how to how to make make a field watch stand apart. And we're really excited for for what we've got in store with that watch. Wow, That's well, what's up. I'm excited for that. Now, something sure. I we need to talk about is price. Mm -hmm. what do you, how much does this cost? What, what, are, what are we people with the wake one? How much can they get it for? What's what's the deal with that? Yeah, so that's a you know that's a constant point that's coming up. One of the biggest things with micro brands, we initially listed the watch at right at a thousand dollars retail, nine 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 retail. Okay. Um, because we we saw our watch, you know, and of course they're familiar with all the competition, and we are very confident in our product, and we think that the quality is there, if not better than the competition at that price point. Um, but we're also realizing that we are a new company on the scene. You know, we don't yet have that brand recognition people don't see canopy watch company and already know what that is right they have right. to find out what that is um and when you're in that position that we're in you you can't really it's not easy to have the pricing set um at competition or higher sometimes you have to eat a bit of a loss and come down um so we have been offering pretty pretty large discounts uh <laughs> For viewers of channels like yours, I think we've offered up to like 25% off so far. Right. Um, and we'll probably continue to, to to eat a little bit of that margin and, and let people buy this watch for for cheaper. Just because we we want to get that momentum going. And like you said, we want to be able to move on and continue producing these next models uh, as soon as we can. That's what's up. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And 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 obviously you and I kind of had that that talk about, you know, a thousand bucks. And I agree with you. I mean, this watch is definitely worth the price. Unfortunately, at that price, there's so much competition that people right. kind of gravitate more towards, well, I have a thousand bucks. I could buy an Oris or I could buy yep. a pre-owned Omega. I could buy whatever. And they go more That's for right. reputation and stuff like that as opposed to engineering and 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 stuff like that. Obviously, before we we kind of sign off and talk about the the other things i want to talk about the loom as much as it, it pains me yeah. loom is one of those things that i <laughs> absolutely love in a watch yep. there is loom on the bezel and on the indices however and you i like being transparent i personally yep. don't think it's as strong and it should be a lot stronger what what happened there walk us through like yep and you're right. That's that's you know I wouldn't even call that an opinion. What you just mentioned, I think that's that's just matter of fact how it is. It's right. it's C one Super Luminova, which is in its day was a great loom. In the current day, is not a great loom by comparison, even within Super Luminova compared to like BGW nine <clears throat> or C three. Um, it was kind of a a mix of issues. So when we were designing this watch. From the very beginning, we had BGW9 spec'd as, as the loom we wanted. Okay. Um, you know, that's the bright loom. That's the loom that appears white in the daytime, which is a big point for us. Mm -hmm. I did not want this much to have like a greenish or even a little bit of a yellowish hue. I wanted that pure white, those pure white indices. Yeah. Uh, which is BGW9, right? That's their loom. That's their flagship loom for that purpose. Um the period that we were developing this watch in was kind of the height of COVID and all these shortages from, you know, basically every company. Um, and BGW9 became basically impossible to get, especially if you were not a very large player mm. placing you know, extremely large orders. <laughs> um, and so that kind of went out the window. Um, the next choice was C3. Um, but like I said, C3 is not uh, pure white in the daytime. It's got a little bit of a greenish yellowish hue to it. Got it. Um, we were actually going to go with that because of the performance. That's It is a lot better performing than C1. Um, but, you know, it just it, it wasn't going to work out for us. And we ended up having to go with either holding up the project for, you know, at that time it was a guessing game. It was like, well... BGW9 could be available in three to six months, or it could be, you know, realistically another two years <laughs> until wow. this loom's available. Mm. And like no one had answers. So we, at one point, you just had to eat the bullet. We're like, you know what? This is one sacrifice that we're going to have to take if we want to get this watch out the door anytime soon. Right. Um, that's what we did. And you're right that if there is one, one corner cut or one, you know, downfall to this watch, it is the loom. Um, we've been very transparent about it. I think I reached out and told you, Miguel, before we even sent you a watch, I was like, Hey, just a heads up. Like here's, <laughs> here's the situation with the loom. And it's yeah, not, I mean, it has loom and it's not terrible. It has it. Like, yeah. it though, I don't, can't see it, but it's not as bright as like yeah. you would expect a thousand dollar watch to be, you know? Right. I mean, and, I, and, I get that and I understand it, but, uh, would a BGW9 be something that you were offering your field watch? Is it available oh, now? or okay. is it... it is available now, yep. Oh, okay. okay. And we've actually been in direct contact with Super Luminova um, and TriTech, which is the company that owns Super Luminova. 
Um, I've got a full binder <laughs> of their new and actually up and coming looms that I don't think I've, anyone's used yet. Mm, um, very cool. So we've, yeah, we've, we'll be swinging in the, coming in on the opposite end of the spectrum next can, time around. Can you tell us at Field Watch, I'm very curious, mm. is it going to be as expensive as this or is it going to be more in the entry level just because it's not a dive watch and it's more kind of it'll, straightforward? Yeah, it'll be cheaper. Okay, cool. It'll be cheaper. Cool. I can't give you any specific no, that's numbers, fine. but. Yeah, but for sure it'll be a Swiss static, movement. A price Can you these give us that oh, Swiss yeah. movement? Okay, okay. Oh yeah, cool. Now, what does the next five years for the company look like? Hopefully, we'll have next five years. Yeah, hopefully, we'll have at least one watch out in those three main categories. Like I mentioned, we obviously have the Wake One. Um, next will be that field watch, and then after that, for sure, we'll go the the pilot watch route. Um, within five years, I'd like to have for sure those two watches out and then potentially, you know, a wake two, an, an iteration, the next dive watch, That'd be um, cool. you know, learn from the things that we want to fix, like the loom, um, maybe, you know, different hand stack, stuff like that. Um, just little improvements and yeah. So hopefully at least two more lines and then a next iteration of, of wake, wake two within the next five years would be a goal for sure. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. Let me ask you, how hard is it to include a different <clears throat> strap with the watches? Um, because that was our goal when we were trying to build the watch brand. We wanted mm -hmm. to, it was going to be a dive watch and we wanted a bracelet, but we also wanted like a free strap on the side, whether it was like mm -hmm. a NATO or like a two piece, just because mm -hmm. as a watch guy, you know, it's cool. Like, oh, cool. I got a, 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 mm -hmm. a strap from the actual company with their logo with their little buckle it's cool you know is that doable yeah. is that too hard is too expensive it's doable um of course since additional cost <laughs> everything of is course. but yeah it's doable <laughs> it's something we wanted and we're actually we were planning to launch uh, quite a few straps we had a a tan leather strap that we wanted to ship alongside the stainless we had a black leather strap with red stitching we wanted to mm. ship with the deep and we had an olive drab uh green canvas uh deployant clasp that we wanted to ship with either watch i think it looks great on both um we ran into you know this adding all these different things you know the dollars add up <laughs> oh yeah for very sure. quickly and you know as you've seen with this watch we were very nitpicky on every little detail um and it got to a point where the watch was ready to go the bracelet was ready to go the straps we were having, you know, just little things that we kept wanting to change and they weren't going to be ready for another probably six months to a year realistically mm, through all like the product because it takes time. Like mm -hmm. you give the manufacturer feedback, they need their time to redo it. They got to ship it. You got to approve you know, it. wear it for a while, give them feedback right. over and over. Right. And, and every time, by the way, like, every time it costs money, people think it doesn't. Right. It costs yeah. money. Every single, uh -huh. every change it costs, costs money. Yeah, that prototype phase costs a, a very healthy percent of the overall. Picture. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I got to a point where, you know, the watch is ready. Our custom box was ready. Beautiful. Everything box, was ready. By the way, I don't have it in front of me, but it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and we were just like, you know, like, let's just release. And then when the straps are ready, we'll put them up on our website, let people buy them if they want them. Cool. Um, and hopefully, yeah, with the next watch we'll be able to release at the same time but yeah we'll see cool we're Very still working on those caps for sure as well as a we've got a lot of requests for a rubber strap 
oh, uh, yeah. for Wake One. And we've got one in the design. Please right put now. a quick release mm. on it, please. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Please. Makes yep. it easier. That way you love, scratch the love, love quick release. Yep. Love quick release. Well, one thing Gotta that I have it. You sent me a few pictures. One thing that I really like is the fact that you're making them fit it to the case. You're not leaving right. any holes. They're actually fitting to the case, kind of like right. uh the the rubber straps on the Rolex, right? Kind of the the mm -hmm. the way that they have it on there. So it's pretty cool. I like that. Exactly. So it'll be just like the bracelet. We've got custom curved spring bars for those straps that allows them to fit right up to the case. Um, and like you said, yeah, it'll be seamless, no gap between the the watch case and the strap. That's cool. What's it called? The Oyster Flex? I think that's what Rolex calls it. Yeah, Oyster Flex. Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure I get my terminology right before people go. <laughs> oh my God, you're running a watch podcast. You don't know the terms, whatever. <laughs> All right, very important. We talked a lot about the watch and everything, but ultimately, in your own words, what makes the Canopy Watch Company different than the rest? And, and just go, why is it special? Why should people care? Sure. I think it really comes, if you boil everything down that we talked about, it really comes down to the attention to detail on every little thing. Um, and you'll see that come through on the watch. You'll see that come through on the box, on the accessories. I hope you see it come through with me and my business partner, Ross. Um, we want to be, you know, very detail oriented, very transparent, very genuine. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I think, what sets us apart. It's kind of funny. Um, Mr. Steven over at uh, Talking Time <laughs> posted that picture today on Instagram and his bio was the whole bio was talking about the screwdriver that came. Right. I it. saw that. Just, just this silly little thing. But he was talking about how the fact that even something, you know, as silly and as little as that, the fact that that driver fits perfectly for our our links and for our screws, like every little detail matters and we don't let anything go by. We don't cut any corners intentionally. Um, yeah, we really left, left nothing untouched. So awesome. I think that's what sets our great answer. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mac, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Honestly, I, we've conversated for a few months now. I, is it going on? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's we never, be. yeah, we never spoken on the phone or anything. So it's, it's cool. Actually, doing a podcast together i i feel like i know you a lot more obviously mm -hmm. not on a personal level a little bit but more like just your ideas and your thought process and you could tell how passionate you are about canopy which is amazing because you could tell it's not a money grab it's not like the guy from uh -huh. the brick watch company right i don't even know his name whatever <laughs> that guy coming out and saying where, where can i make money oh and watches and i'm gonna overprice and like no yeah. you cared first and foremost <laughs> about the design you thought about everything right so that's right that's right yeah man it's fire fire yeah i know it's beautiful <laughs> p if you ever get a chance to check it out in the metal it's it's uh it's a gorgeous watch um and just just that bezel man i don't know i just keep gravitating towards <laughs> that carbon fiber bezel so nice i love that <laughs> yeah we, we gotta get our boy ross here hooked up with one so he can check it out in the flesh. oh yeah i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm about it about it hey he, let he me know hey let your it. boy ross that ross wants to check one out <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right that's right yes <laughs> like sir that's funny all right cool mac where can people find uh you or canopy yep yeah, you can find us at canopywatchco.com or pretty much any social is at canopywatchco. Cool. Do, cool. do you guys have a Instagram? You have your website? Yep. 
what Instagram, else? website. We just just started a TikTok. Not That's much right. on there, but content to come. <laughs> That's right. Um, and yeah. a Facebook page. Very cool. All right. P. Ross, where can people find you, man? Ross Wristwatch Love YouTube and Instagram. Awesome. So for me, it's going to be SoCal Watch Reviews on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. TikTok, again, I post just little reels that I post on my Instagram just to have different platforms and visibility on the on the website. But uh, yeah, big things to come um, on, on the channel. More amazing guests, just like Mac and, and Canopy. And, and we just kind of keep doing it for the passion, for the love. And yeah. You know, uh, somebody said that a hobby is something you kind of do on the side. Watches for me have become more than that. It's almost like something I live and breathe every single day. Unfortunately, I don't make money out of it, but it doesn't matter. It's just it keeps me happy. It puts a smile on my face and speaking to watch owners such as uh, Mac and watch enthusiasts such as P. Ross and Mac. Well, you know what? That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. It does. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. honestly it's silly little things and honestly nobody needs a watch to tell time we know that but it's about <laughs> geeking out over the dumbest things right like the bracelet the little arrow looks like the arrow and the bezel you know like that's cool that's nobody right. cares but we care <laughs> little details like that right that's right, so, that's right. but uh okay cool mac will Best of luck to you, to your company. I have no doubt you guys are going to kill it. And I'm happy that we are pretty much in the in the genesis of Canopy. And I look forward to speaking to you in the upcoming years and talking about the the Wake 3 and the Wake 4 and be like, do you remember <laughs> a few years back we had that conversation, how far you've come? And we've been there from the beginning. So thank you for giving us that opportunity to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been been my pleasure. This has been a blast getting to meet you guys. And yeah, yes, sir. Love, love to chat some more anytime. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Everybody uh watching, listening, thank you so much for, for everything you do. P. Ross, you wanna leave them with a with a quote? Uh yeah, I'll do my usual quote. Do the you know usual I mean? quote. So Matt could could hear it. Come on, do it. Looking back is contagious. Decay and corruption go hand in hand with the fetism of lack of action. Mac, I have no idea what that means. He's said it probably 50 times now. I looked it up once. He broke it down and I forgot what it meant. So don't don't <laughs> don't feel bad if you don't know what the hell he just said. <laughs> Yo, that's goosebumps right there. That's goosebumps. Yo. <laughs> Where's that from, P? Star Trek? Or? No, Battlestar Galactica, the original from back in the 70s. There you uh, go. So you can you look it up man. on Google. It's, it'll be there. But uh, yeah. anyway, guys, girls, anybody listening, watching, thank you so much. And as always, stay humble.